Good morning, church. Our reading this morning is from Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. It was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So, We're no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind and teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things Grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him grows the whole body, fitted together, held together through every supporting ligament, as each one does its part. The body grows in love. Amen. Hope you all are, are doing well. Um, I saw a few of you didn't recognize. So for those of you I don't recognize, I'll just say this. My name is uh, Todd. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. And, uh, like, and, I, and I mean this to everybody that's here. It is a, a thrill like, that I get to shepherd this body. We were just this week gossiping about you in the good sense of the word. Just that, man, what a, what a thrill it is that, like, yeah, I'm blown away by all of you all the time. So let me just say this. Just thank you for, for making my role a joy. Well, not all of you, but most of you. No, just thank you for making my role an absolute joy. I love what I get to do. And so uh, we're going to be today kind of uh, all over the place. Ephesians 4, what you just heard uh, Cyril to read, is uh, where we're going to kind of base everything that we're going to be going around over these next few weeks. But today, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in First uh, Peter. You can go ahead and open it up there. If you don't have a Bible, um, there's some uh, guys coming down with Bibles right now. Feel free to raise your hand. We'd love to be able to get you one. You can keep that one. If you don't have one, uh, uh, seriously, please feel free to keep it. But here's what we're going to be talking about is, is just this, this idea of the church. Now, I think some people hear this and they wonder like, oh, the church, what are we going to do for 11 weeks? I mean, my gosh, 11 weeks on the church? And the answer is yes, because, and here's why. I think actually the questions around the church are some of the most important questions that we should be asking that we don't ask. Now, one is, is because I don't think you can read scripture and not realize how important the concept of church is to God. Everything about it is, is about this amazing group of people, and the way that it describes it is, is this church is who God loves deeply, warts and all. He loves the church. 
But I think there's this other thing that I think is just important for us, especially as like just for us that are living now in the 21st century. I don't think we've lived at a time in the United States where the church has become more irrelevant. Now, I say that with a broken heart. I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd, and it breaks my heart, but I feel like at the end of the day, the relevancy of the church has slowly been lost because, I think, we have lost our kind of our our guiding principle or sight into what it is that the church is supposed to be. What is our purpose and what has God called us for? I think we, we've created then maybe some teaching venues that we can all kind of come and sit and we can hear these like amazing messages, you know, from, from everybody else besides me. But just I, I feel like if we're not careful, we just lose sight of it. It became something that was like a huge passion over the last few weeks because I just, I, I, have you ever just felt in your heart like maybe... We didn't mean to, but we, we've, we've missed some things. And so I started asking people, like, like hey, just tell me, what, what goes into your mind when you, when, you, when you think about the word church? Well, the first stuff that came out was things like a building, a service, um, clergy, you know, pastor, priest, whatever. Um, they thought about programs. That was kind of the initial stuff. There were some great things that I heard. You know, it's a place of belonging. It's a place I find hope. It's a place in which I met Jesus. But then even sometimes what happened was is that I heard things like it's a place where there's hypocrisy. It's a place where, where it's not safe. It's a place where I got hurt. In other words, there's all kinds of things that come into people's minds when they think about church. And I think that's why it's so important that we ask the question initially, and I would just say it this way if this is going to work. There we go. What is the church? Now, I asked this question to my son. <clears throat> and maybe you can ask it to yourself. But I asked my son. I said, Josiah... What do you think is the church? Now, if you know anything about my son, you never ask my son something unless you want to get the truth. So we sat down together, and he goes, well, like, Dad, what do you mean? I go, well, when I say the word church, what do you think of? Well, here's the first thing out of his mouth. It's a place you'd be nice to people you won't see again for a week. (laughs) Ever feel like that? Hi, how you doing? I won't see you for a week, but hey, please move along so I can get to my chair. I said, really? He goes, yeah, dad, you know, like we show up, you know, church, you go be nice. That's what you're supposed to do at church. And so I I, I thought, okay, that's good. I said, well, what else? What is the church? And he said, well, you're greeted by this worship pastor. I added in tight jeans just for fun. uh, Okay, so maybe I'm stretching it. But he said, you know, you're greeted by by Billy. And I said, all right, all right. I go, I go, what else, bud? And then he said, well, I know you you, you sing a few songs. And and I go, well, what do you think about the songs? And he goes, hmm. Billy, I'm sorry if you're in here. He loves you. He said, hear an amazing message. I added amazing, but... Uh, right, we, he goes in and I hear a message. And he said, then you say a few prayers. And, and here is the last thing that happens. And then you make some announcements. Now, we kind of laugh at it a little bit. But isn't there like this weird kind of sadness in you that that's what he said? Now, I could blame him, and everybody think anyone would be like, boy, we're going to teach you right. But I have to realize the reason he said that is probably because this is what his dad has taught him. And what the church that he's a part of has taught him. Now, that's not to pick on us, because ultimately I have to own that, as I think maybe even some of you, if you were honest, that's what you think the church is. 
if we were to kind of get to the end of it, it's this place that I show up for an hour and a half that really doesn't have any impact to the rest of the week in my life. But I think it leaves us kind of with this thing where we just feel, gosh, is that it? Well, let me start off and tell you what the church is not, okay? Let me, let me get that right out. The church is not a building. I know oftentimes we say I'm going to go to the church, but the church is not a building according to scriptures. The church is not a set of rules to be followed or philosophy. The church is not a club. The church is not a set of traditions. The church is not a pastor. The church is not a political action group. The church is not a gathering of good people saying nice things to one another like my son said. I just thought I'd put that one in. But really what it left me asking is is that there must be more than this, isn't there? You ever just thought that? Like, you know, it's not like at the end of the day we wanted to create it, but I just feel like there's so many people when I talk to pastors and people, and and outside of Cornerstone, they're asking this common question, there's got to be something more than this, isn't there? One guy said to me, he goes, how was it that Jesus launched this thing 2,000 years ago that seemed so crazy and so good, and off it went, and we, this thing just took off, and it began to spread over the entire Roman Empire. He goes, why is it that I read the book of Acts, and I get excited, and then I kind of show up in my local church, which, by the way, is not Cornerstone, it's the Mormon church. No, I'm kidding. It's, no, it's, why is it that I feel this way? Well, part of it is, is I think he's learned to love the church of idealism, not the real church. But I think there is something that if we were honest with ourselves is just missing. It's led me to ask three questions, and that's what I want to do today. I just want to, with you, ask three questions that I think are really important. I think the first question I want to ask is not what's the church. I think actually the first question we should be asking is who's the church? After that, the next question I want to ask is why does the Simi, why does the Simi Valley and why does Simi Valley, I should say, in the world need the church? And finally, we're going to ask the question, what's the church? I just want to ask these three questions with us. And I want us to try to get to the bottom of it so that we can maybe be that church. And, and again, there's so many wonderful things about this church. But I think if all of us are honest, and I think if any church in the United States were honest, if we said honestly, is this all there is, we would all admit there's got to be something more. Now, that question of who is the church is really important. In fact, I think it's the most important question that we should ask before we even ask the question, what's the church? When we look at the church, though, oftentimes we think that church is an event. In other words, the major event of the church is what? Right now. Welcome to the major event. It happens 52 days a week. uh, 52 days a week. No wonder my son doesn't understand the church. 52 times a year. And we go through this huge event every week in which, you know, several hundred people show up at least at Cornerstone. And I would say millions of people show up at a church, or show up with a group of people every single week. The problem with that is, is though we've been asking what is the church when we should have been asking who is the church first. I would say this, that the biblical definition of the church is always about a people. So in other words, whenever the Bible references it, it means it's talking about us, and, and the, not only us, but I would say the people that have been a part of God's family throughout time and all around the world. You will never find it referencing a building. You would never find it referencing a meeting. You always talked about, whenever it was talked about, it was always talked about as a people. It's the way it will be at the very end. I always tell people, sometimes if you want to know what it is that God's wanting to do, sometimes you have to look at the end. Now watch this. 
when everything is said and done and God has been victorious in and through Jesus Christ, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and that was John, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. What that means is, is that the event is God gathering his people. I think sometimes we get more excited about this, and let me just be honest with you, this is easy, isn't it? Well, maybe not my family, but in your family. My wife says it's not easy getting kids here, but it's just that thing where in some ways it's really easy to come and sing a few songs, but to say that we're going to go join God as he gathers people, that's a whole other thing. But ultimately, when we ask the question, what is God doing? And in this other question, who is the church? It is a group of people that God is gathering. He's gathering them here in Simi Valley. He's gathering them from the four corners of the earth. He's been gathering them for 2,000 years through different people, through different genders. All these different people have been being gathered together by God. And all of us in this room that know Jesus, here's the coolest thing in the world. You are here today because Jesus gathered you. That's awesome. You see it in 1 Peter 2.10 when he talks about it. What is the church? And Peter answers this way. You were not a people, but now you are God's people. He references them this way in 1 Peter 2.5. He says, you yourselves like living stones, look at this, are being built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that means not only are you a people, but God is taking each one of you and he says living stones and the way he's then doing it is is then he's building a temple out of us. He's not building a building like this. He's building something so different. It's a group of people that I would say this though have built their life around Jesus and his purposes. When we talk about this people, they're special. In Ephesians 1, he references all of us in here that know Jesus. The coolest thing in the world is is that he says he knew you before time even began. Isn't that nuts? He knew you before time began, before he even created the world. And in doing this, he had a desire within him that when everything was launched off and everything was happened, even after the fall, he was going to do what it took to gather for himself this people that was going to make a name for him. And the day that you embraced Jesus Christ, you were included into that group of people. You're a part of a group of people that have been around for 2,000 years. An ancient people. Over the last 24 hours, you're part of a people that have worshipped Jesus on every continent. I don't know about Antarctica, so six continents. But all as the, sun, as the earth has spun around the sun and as we've turned, groups of people have been gathering together to worship Jesus Christ and to know him and to love him and to be a part of him. He put you into that family. He gave us the Holy Spirit, sealed us for all eternity, and he can't wait to come back and get us, the book of Ephesians says. See, I think sometimes we get so excited about me being a Christian and miss the fact that actually me being a part of this grand we is the greater story in all of it. 
And that's why I think in 1 Peter 2.9, he talks about them being this chosen race and a royal priesthood, that they're involved in something so much bigger than themselves. But I think the other thing that we gotta realize is, is that you're a group of people and I'm a group of people that are called out. Now, what does that mean? To be called out comes from this church, word church, which we get our word ecclesia. Now, let me explain it to you because it's really important where we're gonna go for the next few weeks. Ek means out from, and klesia comes from this Greek word kaleo, which means called. So here's what I need all of you to know. The church is a, we are called out from God or by God for something special or a purpose. Now let me kind of tie this all together. You aren't just a people and you aren't just now a people that have surrounded your life and made your life about Jesus and his purposes. But I would say this, there is a purpose for every last one of you in here. Now here's where it gets hard. So much of our evangelism is about you, 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 you. I remember when I first started, and I'll just pick on Crusade for a second because I, I love the ministry, but I came out of it. And I remember one time sitting there and I was opening up the four spiritual laws to share this with a guy. And I said, did you know God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, individual? I remember it hitting me at one point going, gosh, you know what? It just feels so much like we're all about them, 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 and then we expect them to come into the church and then to be about something bigger than themselves. In other words, it would be kind of like this. It would be like me telling somebody, you're special, you're special, you're special because you're red. You are a red crayon. And so then when you finally come into the church, you are this red crayon, you're a great crayon, and, and if nobody else even sinned, Jesus would die for you, which is actually not an accurate statement. He died for the whole world, but you are special. Now, for those of us that grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, how many of you are sick of telling, being told you're special? You're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people love you, and you're sitting there going, my steam is fine. In fact, my steam is on overload. Now, on one level, it's true. We have to understand this from an individual level. But the guy one time told me, he said, be careful, Todd. How you draw people into the church is how you have to keep them. Now, our gospel, because it's so individual, it's so red, 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 is that at the end of the day, then when people come in, they come in and they say, well, if it's about me, then I want my music and I want my messages and I want it at my volume with my kids' programs, with my, 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 and the church starts to look like this. Not only that, but when it's about me, 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 from the moment I hear the gospel, I don't realize then at the end of the day, if it's about me, that's not good news. It's about a people. In fact, when we get into Ephesians, here's what's so cool. He says, you all, it's a a we thing. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, let me explain this to you. The other day, Ryan and I sat down to color And the reason I pulled out red was, is she said, Dad, all of these colors over here are mine, but you get to be red. (laughs) Okay. So being the cynical, sarcastic person that I am, wanting to teach my daughter a lesson about life, she handed over the page, and I found another one, and I ripped it out, and while she was gone, I colored the whole thing red. And she came back, she said, Dad, what about my colors? And I said, well, what's wrong with red? 
She goes, but dad, if there's not other colors in here, the picture's not going to be beautiful. And I said, I don't know. I kind of like the picture. She goes, dad, Papa Smurf only has a red hat, not a red body. (laughs) And I said, well, in my world, Papa Smurf is now all red. I pulled out the correct one that she had put together and we began to color it. As we colored it, it came alive with all these different colors. It came alive with reds and purples and lots of pink because she likes lots of pink. And I think the thing that we miss about the church is when we make it about me, 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 we miss this. It's hard to think about, but God, let's just, be metaphorical here God didn't create me red and say oh red is so special he created me red so that he might craft and build and draw this incredible picture called his church so that the world might see people then come in and we wonder why do our kids walk away from the church I think they walk away from the church because we've told them it's all about you. We've made children's ministry about them and student ministry about them. We've made everything about them, but we forgot to teach them that the uniqueness of you is not that you're red. The uniqueness of you is that you've been made by God to be a part of a grander picture. See, I think sometimes we make the world too small. We're involved in this grand reality of God building his church and it is so powerful that in Matthew 16 he makes this statement that I will build my church and even the gates of death will not stand against it. Have you ever just stopped lately and went, shut up, I'm a part of the greatest thing ever. I might be red, but I'm a part of this grand picture that God is. I think even by the time we get to the very end and we're standing before God and all these people from all time and all places get put together, we will start to realize that I was much too small about the church. I made it way too much about me instead of realizing that God made me to be involved in this grander reality. Which leads us to this next thing then, and here's the question I've been asking myself a lot is then why does Simi Valley in the world need the church? Well, I think when we ask this question, we find that little word that. Does everybody see that there, the red or the yellow thing? He's going to explain now why he has made us this group of people. Why have I chosen to do this? Now, here's his answer. I've done it that you all might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm going to skip that one. In other words, then, it is definitely about an event, but the event is not Sunday morning. The event is Jesus Christ and his work in us. And oh, by the way, you don't go to church. You're it. You all are it. Every Monday morning, you're the church. Every Tuesday morning, y'all are the church. Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning. When you go into your jobs on Monday, you all are the church. When you go into your school, you all are the church. When you go to, maybe not Disneyland, but other places, you are the church. 
I think because we keep making the church about this particular event, we miss the fact that our world generally does not want to come to this building to hear messages. But I'll tell you what, they will hear the messages of you as the church then is scattered into all kinds of places as you build relationships with people that you might proclaim the excellencies of this Jesus that has rescued you. We don't go to work to collect a paycheck. For those of us that have built our lives around Jesus, we now go to work because it is the place in which Jesus is looking, and this is the way I would put it, to show you off. I'll never forget the first time I went to show and tell, and I I don't know why I remember it in kindergarten, but I couldn't wait to go to show and tell. I had in my possession the Millennium Falcon. Everybody know what the Millennium Falcon is? Okay, if you don't, Get a life. Now, I remember putting carefully in my bag my Millennium Falcon, and I couldn't wait to unveil it. I get to school, and everybody's like, what's in your bag? What's in your bag? And I'm like, I'm not going to show you. You can't show till show and tell. So finally, it was show and tell time, and I'll never forget reaching into my bag and pulling it out. And, and I, oh, I swear there should have been a music soundtrack to it. But I pull it out, and it would have been, bum, 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 bum. And all the boys in the room are like, now here's the thing I think we miss is that every time God sends his church all over into different places he loves to show and tell he loves to put his church on display in all kinds of different facets and forms He loves to take his church out and to show them off in the workplace. He loves to show them off at ballparks. And by the way, that is where Satan dwells, isn't it? Kids sports. But he loves to show them off in all kinds of different (laughs) ways. Yeah, I know. Let's just pray for him right now. Got a little too excited about that. He loves to show off his church. And not just us individually, but think about this. He loves to show off corporately this group of people. He loves to show them in action. He loves to show them when also, not only when they do well, but I would say this, he even loves to show them when they fail. He loves to show them in this form, in that form. He loves to show them when they're, when they're high, when they're low. And at the end of the day, the reason he does this is all because back in Acts 1-8 is Jesus promised, here is what my church is going to be about. I am going to make you a people and you're going to be a people that are going to wrap your lives around Jesus and I'm going to then take you and I'm going to show you off in all your multifaceted colors but the reason that I intend to do it according to Acts 1.8 is is that I want you all to be my witnesses. Now stop for a second. How many of you would have chosen you to be a part of this grand plan? Tell the truth, shame the devil. I would have never chosen me. But yet somewhere in God's grace, he chose all of us to be a part of what he's doing. He collected us and he said now to this group of people, I want you to be my witnesses. And what was their witness? Their witness was this gospel or good news for all people. He connected it to this idea of the kingdom of God in which they were to make God's purposes present in the world. 
This meant that they were to show off righteousness and justice. This meant they were to show off hope and grace and love. This meant that they were to show off mercy and forgiveness and how they dealt with one another. In other words, his whole goal was, is what I talked about. He was forming for himself a people. He's doing this and showing us off so that more people might know that they're far from God and they can be brought into this family. He wants to show us off, but not because he's bored. He's inviting others to be a part of this grand family that he's a part of. He wants them to know that they can be sons and daughters of God. He wants them to know that it isn't only about escaping this evil world that we're in. Sometimes I feel like, in kind of just the way that we're thinking, I can't wait to get out of here. He doesn't want us to get out of here. His son, Jesus Christ, came into this world to save the world, and he has now left his church to join him in that process. We live to communicate now his resurrection and the power of who he is. His church now becomes evidence of more that's to come. And here's what's nutty. He does it through a bunch of imperfect people. If anything that this church should be and all other churches in the world, it should be an acknowledgement. We got a long ways to go. Here's one of the statements I always hear people say. We've got to clean up the church before we can go to the lost. Let me just say this to you. That cleanup project is not going to happen until we're all dead. Have you ever seen somebody that's been transformed by Jesus? I'll never forget the first time one of my friends saw me, and, and actually he later came to know Jesus. But we've been hanging around and I've been kind of talking to him and sharing Jesus Christ with him and I'll never forget he walked up to me and he said, Todd, I can't explain you. You're different. In other words, God had shown and told not only through me, but then he said, and not only that, but all those group of people that you're part of, they're different. Well, my first thought was, I know we're weird, dude. I'm sorry. We don't mean to be weird. That's just the way Christians are. We're just weird. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, Todd, the thing that I've loved seeing in you is the process. The process. This thing that he's doing, and one of the things that we now become for people is a demonstration of the transformation of God. We become this group of people that are in process, and we allow our community to see the process. It's all part of our purpose statement to give every individual an accurate picture of God, but watch this. By helping those who believe become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I think sometimes I'll feel like, you know, oh, I can't share Jesus. I can't be this witness that God's designed us to be because I've got so much gunk in my life. One of the biggest things that I've realized, it's not the gunk in my life, but the Savior that transforms the gunk in my life. I began to talk with one of my neighbors at one point about things, and, and uh, I came out, I, I had uh, raised my voice in my house, and so I knew he was outside, so I came out to him, I said, look, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, um, uh, asked, I just want to come ask you for my wife's uh, forgiveness for what she did, and um, <laughs> no, I, I just, I came out and I said, you know what, um, I just want you to know, I didn't represent what I believe very well. He goes, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? I go, man, I totally got frustrated. I raised my voice. I know you heard me, but I want you to know that's not, that's not who Jesus is transforming me into. And I, man, I'm, I'm sorry that I displayed him well, to, or not well to you. He goes, seriously? He goes, I, I yell at my kids all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to call CFS. Uh, <laughs> I go, I know, I go, but that's the thing, though, is that the promise of what Jesus instituted when he, when he left here and gave us his Holy Spirit is he would change us. He goes, seriously? I go, yeah. And we begin to get into this discussion, and this is what he said to me. Ready for this? He said, why is it that more of you Christians don't talk about the fact that you fail? I go, because we, we don't. <laughs> I said, no, I said, I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, I think if you talked more about the fact that you fail, but that God's doing a work in you, that would help your witness a whole lot more. No, I'm not saying, now go just screw it up in your neighborhood. Please don't. But I think sometimes we'll hear words like this. I don't want to go to church because there's full of hypocrisy. I don't want to go to church, be involved in your church because, you know, people get hurt there. I don't want to go this. I don't want to go that. And what you need to start looking at people and saying when they say that is, you're right. My church is so full of hypocrisy, but Jesus is changing us. My church oftentimes, in, in sad ways, we do hurt people and we don't mean to, but God is changing us. In other words, now, we don't try to hide who we are. We are open and transparent about who we are, not trying to hide it, but as evidence of the transformation of God in us. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, be careful there, sport. I don't know if I want to hang out there. Here's what I think churches that oftentimes want to be clean first do. People that, churches that try to be clean like there's nothing there create people that live in failure or that are afraid of failure. Churches that are afraid to be honest and transparent about who they are create people who fear failure. Churches that are, that are trying to be clean and trying to somehow put themselves out there that we need to take care of something first, deception begins to increase. Churches that are trying to be clean first before we reach our community, hypocrisy becomes the norm. Clean the church first consequences include checking the boxes. Uh, uh, checking the boxes becomes maturity. We attend to services and church stuff. We don't act like unbelievers. We share our faith. In other words, it's icky. The thing that I'm trying to get across to us is, is that the Jesus Christ is forming this group of people, asking us to center our lives around him so that he might begin to show us off. But one of the ways he shows us off is not only in our success, but after we fail, how he then works in us. In other words, if any place should be a place where we're honest about failure, it's right here. A lady came up to me about two, three months ago, and she says, you know, I, I'm a little over you sharing about the fact that you, you don't have it all together. Okay. She goes, pastors shouldn't be that way. <laughs> I'm like, you should see Earwood then. I'm like, <laughs> 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 on a good night, I know. I pray for you, Sheila. Don't you ever think like one of the reasons that we don't get anywhere with our community is we're not open and honest? What if this did become this place where we're able to come in and to be honest and open so that Jesus Christ might transform us? What if this became actually a place where you don't show up and you just put on the smile, you know what I'm talking about? This is the one my son talks about, that we pretend to like each other, but we actually cared about each other. What if this became a place of transformation in our lives. Now, for some of you sitting out there, you say, that's all, that's a hoax. There's no way that can happen. Why? 
asking myself that. Why have we sold out on the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives? He did a pretty good job raising Jesus from the dead. We all agree? He was good at that. He instituted this thing called the church, and the church now has been moving over the entire planet and is going to every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's done pretty good at that. Why can't he change us? What if church did look different? What if all of a sudden this became an army of the king that goes out in the show-and-tell moment and we actually start to make inroads into our community? What if we start showing up at ball fields and we don't yell at the umpire, (laughs) but we bless the umpire? Bless you on that terrible call. Bless you. (laughs) What if we stopped buying into the lie that 12 and 13 and 14-year-olds in the midst of their adolescence can't do gigantic things for God? Have you read the Bible lately in all the 12, 13, 14-year-olds that did amazing things for God? What if we stopped believing that this is just what we do once a week. We go through the motions. What if we dove into each other's lives and we're honest with each other? What if actually then we started talking to our neighbors about who Jesus is? Now some of you are like, whoa. Been there for 30 years, never talked about Jesus. It would look really awkward if I did it now. Why? What if we took steps of faith that just seemed crazy to the world? What if we begin to live differently and and, and begin to operate differently? What if we quit buying into some of the norms of the world around us? What if we refuse to be busy? You ever thought about that? My wife and I were asking that question. What if just every person refused to be busy? What if the church did? What if we slowed down long enough to look at each other in our eyes and to care about one another? Here's what I think would happen. I think we would have a world that would look at this grand picture of what God is doing and say, I want that. But here's the question I have for all of you in here. Do you believe that God could do that? Do you even want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of something in which God is going to transform you? Because what that means is something very serious. To be a part of that, what that means is is we have to be honest with ourselves. That means you and me have to deal with things like sin in our lives. We've got to actually be open and honest and transparent. We have to quit wanting this place to be how I want it to be. Instead, we have to ask God the question, God, what do you want us to be to be the people that will reach Simi Valley? And not only Simi Valley, but to join you in what you're doing around the world. God, what things do I need to change in my life? How do I need to redirect things? God, would you start helping me in and through all these people, this church? What if we started to do that? These are the questions that keep going through my head. What if we like honestly did what Jesus has asked us to do and make disciples? Crazy. Nutty. These are the stuff that's just bouncing around in my head. 
I got to think if we do that, we won't have people at the end of the day saying, is this all there is? Aren't you sick of saying that? Is this all there is? Show up, sing a few songs, go home, see you next week. Over the next 10 weeks, this is what we're going to be seeking to do. Now, some of you said, Todd, I thought you were going to answer the question, what's the church? And I will, but you have to come back for 10 weeks to hear it. (laughs) But I would say this. God has been so gracious to this church. He's brought through people through this church that have done amazing things for the kingdom. But I think what starts to happen is we start to think that was the past. I'm thankful for what God's done in the past. But I'll tell you this. I'm not going to rest on what God's done in the past because I believe God has way more to do in and through us. I have fallen in love with where we live. I love our town. I love the people that drive nice cars and have nice homes that live up on the hill. I love the rest of us that live down in the valley. I love the people that are brown and black and yellow and white. I love the fact that our town doesn't look the same as when I moved here 15 years ago. I love it because now there's good Indian food restaurants that are moving into town finally. I'm kidding. I love it because, man, God is bringing in these people. I love looking out at all of you because you all are the ones that God has given me now to shepherd and to lead. And now we all get to rally together as God's people to become the church that he's called us to be in the little color that we are, the reds and the yellows and everything that come together. But the question is, is that what you want? Or do you want to keep asking the question, is that all there is? I don't know about you. I'm done. I don't want to ask that question anymore. So what we're going to do over the next 10 weeks is we're going to unpack that. We're going to unpack what does it mean now to be this church that God's called us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's raise the roof, Todd. Amen? (laughs) All right. Let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus. Let me just say this as one of the pastors and elders here. Would you forgive us for at times missing the main thing? It's not that we meant to, Father. But I just feel over the last 25 years, there's just been different periods in which we've, we've missed the main thing. Father, I thank you so much that for everybody that you've called to be a part of Cornerstone. Father, I believe you created them all uniquely and differently, that you've crafted them together for a grand purpose. Father, I pray that as we begin to proclaim the gospel about you, who you are, that that we wouldn't make this just about me and me not going to hell. And and those are wonderful things, Father, but would we communicate in a grander way what it is that we're all a part of? 
Father, would you right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, begin to, to shape and to mold and to, and to change our thinking on what it is that you want to do in and through this church? Would you right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in and through the elders and the pastors and the leaders? Father, would, would community group leaders not allow their group to just get into the motions? Would youth group leaders not allow their, the students they work with to just go to the motions? Would, God, would you protect us from that instead? Would you remind us of who we are and why you have us here? And then, Father, would you unleash us for your purposes? God, thank you. I don't think it's wrong to say, though, would you do more? In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.